1235. So we would love for you to join us and bring some friends with you. And then, of course, we all have friends in the community that don't attend church, and they might just come if you invite them to one of the Easter services. Will you join us in this greeting? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Please stand and sing with us hymn number 371.
Please remain standing and join us in the prayer that can be found in your bulletin or on the screens. Gracious God, your anointed one, on the night before he suffered, instituted the sacrament of his body and blood. Mercifully grant that we may receive it, thankfully, in remembrance of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who in these holy mysteries gives us a pledge of eternal life. Amen. Please join us with hymn number 287. I wish you good evening and to all those who are worshiping by live stream, hello to you and let us know where you're worshiping from tonight if you're joining us by live stream. We are coming to the end of a wonderful Holy Week and I, I've seen a lot of you all week long and it's wonderful. And I have some of our, our normal Thursday night folks kind of are, are here. So uh, this is what it looks like we have a, a whole bunch of people <laughs> here on a Thursday night. So uh, I'm glad that y'all are all here. John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35 will be our scripture for tonight. And while, while you're turning, if you're turning in your Bible there, I'll just say one more thing. Pastor Andy mentioned our service tomorrow, 12.05. Uh, Reverend Davis Johnson from Southside Methodist will be preaching for us, and we look forward to that. John 13, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I'm only with you a little longer. You will look for me, 
And as I have said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God doesn't matter how smart we think we are or how good our intentions are. There are times when what we really need is just a different perspective or a new way of thinking. I thought about that when I saw the story of a, a group of folks who were in the organization Mensa, M-E-N-S-A. Um, those are people who have IQs of 140 or higher for some reason, they haven't asked me to, to be in there. If they ask you, Andy, no. They were having a convention a few years back in San Francisco, and several of the members were eating at a local cafe when they noticed that um, the salt was in the pepper shaker and the pepper was in the salt shaker. And so they thought, oh, what are we going to do? And in typical, like, Mensa scientific fashion, they came up with a plan that involved uh, a napkin folded into a cone and a straw and a saucer, and they were debating on all of this so that they could do that without losing any of the salt or the pepper. And about that time, the waitress came up and they explained their brilliant idea to them. They said, you know, there's a problem. The salt is in the pepper shaker and the pepper's in the salt shaker. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. And she reached over and um, took the lid off the salt and put it on the pepper, put the lid off the pepper, put it on the salt. She said, there you go. So sometimes what we need is just a different way of thinking, a different way of thinking. And when Jesus came along, the word made flesh, he gave us a different way of thinking. That's what he did. He was all the time saying, do you remember on the Sermon on the Mount? He was always trying to say, he was always saying, you have heard it said this, but I say to you this. I'll just give you one example. There are many. Matthew 5, 43 and 44, Jesus said, You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. A different way. A new way. A new way. This passage that we read tonight is Jesus stretching his disciples, stretching us into a new way of thinking. A new way of thinking first about what it means to be glorified. That's a word that we heard uh, today in the scripture, the word we heard um, Wednesday when Laura preached about what it means to be glorified. Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer that Belinda talked about today about, about being glorified and, and Laura brought it up Wednesday as well. This is a new way of thinking because if you think about it, the, the very first verse I read tonight, verse 31, it, it starts out, so when he had gone out, let's just pause there. So when he had, when who had gone out? Well, when Judas had gone out. When Judas had gone out and left the upper room to go out and to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Right after Judas got up and left, 
Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. What? I, I, I mean, the disciples thought of Jesus' glorification as him rising to, to popularity and political power and establishing a, his, his, his new government where, by the way, they would probably be on the cabinet, right? And, and then if you, if you go back to last Sunday when, when Jesus came into Jerusalem and everyone was saying, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. That's what they thought the glory was. It says, if you go back to John 12, it says in verse 6 that the disciples did not understand these things. They did not understand these things. But what they needed, and probably what we need, is a new way of thinking about what it means to be glorified or what brings God glory. You see, we might think uh, of glory as maybe getting a promotion, right? When God actually might be glorified through us losing our job and having to find another one. We might think about glory as being full of all things, full in our bank account, full in our belly, full in our self-esteem, when God might be glorified by us being emptied. So you get the idea. The Apostle Paul knew about it. He had had his share of glory, not only in his um, intellectual life, but in his religious life. He was an Israelite. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he said. He was, as far as being zealous, there was nobody more zealous than Paul. He was so zealous that he persecuted those rogue Jews that he saw following Jesus. He was blameless, he says in Philippians 3. He was blameless concerning the law. Paul had visions and revelations that we can only dream about. He talks about in 2 Corinthians about being caught up into the third heaven. And yet he turns right around and says, you know, if I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about my infirmities. Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Paul knew Paul knew the different definition of glory. There's an old, older song that I really like by the group Mercy Me, and the, the chorus of it goes something like this. It has a line in there that says, Bring me anything that brings you glory. Would we be willing to pray that? Bring me, Lord, bring me anything that brings you glory. The cup that we would rather not drink might be the one that brings him glory. Will we drink it? And then Jesus was also calling his disciples to a new way of thinking about the commandments because they thought about the commandments a whole lot. They had lots of commandments. And you say, well, 10 commandments? Well, they had, no, they had more than that. They, they actually had 613 commandments. They had um, 248 positive one, thou shalt's, for every part of the human, one for every part of the human body, and 365 thou shalt nots, one for every day of the year. 613 commandments. But Jesus was saying on Monday, Thursday, he was saying, I'm giving you a new commandment. And they must have been thinking, great, that's all we need is one more commandment. But now we'll have 614, I guess. 
But the word he uses for new doesn't mean just one more numerically, like I'm just adding to the list. It means new, it's the, the Greek word kainos, which means new and improved, of a better and different quality. And this is the new improved commandment. Love each other the way I have loved you. Love each other the way I've loved you. So I know that I'm, I can be stubborn and hard-headed, but I kind of like to see an example to help me understand. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you want to know how to love, then just look how I have loved you and do that. Fred Rogers, who is better known as Mr. Rogers on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, uh, you might not know he was a Presbyterian, ordained Presbyterian minister, and he, he has lots of wise sayings. One of my favorite of his is about love. He says that love is an active noun. It's like struggle. It's an active noun. Because honestly, love is something that you have to work at. It's not a, a, like a, just a constant positive presence. You, you had to work at it. Think about the people sitting around that table in the Last Supper. We might say, well, that person's not always lovable. And I look in the mirror and I think, hmm, that person's not always lovable. But C.S. Lewis said, he loved us not because we were lovable, but because he is love. You see? So this new way of thinking about the commandments has to do with the very most important one about love. Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, in case you need an example, which I always do, love the way I've loved you. Not just a warm, fuzzy feeling, but love the way I've loved you. And I want you to think about what he did that night in that upper room. He got up, wrapped a towel around his waist, and got down on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. That's what he did on Monday, Thursday. So we, we love by seeking God's glory, not our own glory. We love by serving one another, not by being served ourselves. And then Jesus calls for a new way of thinking about discipleship, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He says in verse 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. How? If you come to church at least five or more times a week like we've done this week, <laughs> that's, that's great, y'all. That's great. But not, not that. By, by the number of committees that you sit on at your church, not by that either. But by the way you love one another. That's the mark of a disciple, according to Jesus, and his is the only mark that counts. The mark of discipleship is the self-giving kind of love that serves others, that stoops to wash their feet. I know these words are 2,000 years old, y'all, but that is a new way of thinking, isn't it? There was a documentary I saw one time that was by, by a French filmmaker 
and the documentary was entitled uh, Suicide Killers. And in this film, this French filmmaker went into the prisons and interviewed uh, suicide bombers that obviously had failed in their uh, job or they wouldn't be alive and in prison to begin with. But as soon as they found out he was French and not American, they, they would open up and talk to him more than they would have. But he said what impressed him was just the calm, every matter of fact, everyday kind of way they described what their mission was. And their mission was to kill as many people as possible and thereby be glorified. And he said some of them, their families back home were so proud of them. Maybe they had been uh, the you know, kind of the bad seed of the family. They'd never done anything good, you know. But now they were going to be glorified. Now they were going to be glorified by the amount of hate that they gave out and by the amount of lives that they took in their mission. So I tell you that to contrast about John's words about Jesus's last discourse with his disciples. He said, if you're a follower of mine, you're going to be known by how you love, not by you, how you hate. You're going to be known by how you lay down your life, not to harm as many people as possible, but to serve as many people as possible. So, has terrorism had an impact on our, on our world uh, over the, the last 20 years or so? Absolutely, right? Changes the way we go through an airport, changes the way we think about our safety. But I want you to know that people also have been impacted by true disciples of Jesus Christ loving and serving other people tenfold if you really want to make a difference don't try to out hate people don't try to out ugly people try to out love them try to out serve them that'll make a difference and actually that's a new way of thinking that's 2,000 years old a new way of thinking Love one another as I've loved you, Jesus said. And then Jesus went on to prove his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he gave his life for us. Let's remember that as we celebrate Holy Communion together. I invite you to turn to page 12 in your hymnal if you want to follow along there. Um, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. 
we have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory, Glory to, to God. God. Amen. Amen. Now we continue with the great thanksgiving, which is in the middle of page 13. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Body of Christ, broken for you. blood of Christ shed for you. I want to say just a couple of words of instruction before we uh, receive this sacrament of Holy Communion. And one is that everyone is invited to the Lord's table. You don't have to be a member of this church or a member of any church. All you have to do is have a heart that's hungry for God. You're, you're welcome at the Lord's table. We have open communion. Another thing is that it's our custom to kneel and receive the communion that way, uh, and the ushers will direct you on 
on when to come uh, and, and kneel. Um, if you have knee problems, back problems, hip problems, anything that prevents you from kneeling, just come and stand. You won't be the only one. It's okay. If you need someone to come and serve you at your seat, we'll do that. We just want to make sure everyone has an opportunity. And then uh, finally, it's our custom also when we have communion to leave an offering on the altar rail. And um, as God makes you able and leads you to, if you leave an offering on the altar rail tonight, 100% of our communion offerings go to help our local missions. We have people coming by all the time asking for need, people calling all the time asking and needing help. And that's what we use our communion offering for. So won't you come now to the Lord's table? Now rise and go in peace and may the peace of Christ go with you. Blood of Christ. 
Christ shed for you. Blood of Christ shed for you. And blood of Christ shed for you. 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 Rise and go in peace. May the peace of Christ go with you. Amen. and go in peace and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing with me our closing hymn, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go, number 480.
And now, God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself for us. Grant that we may go forth, strengthened by your word, that we might give ourselves for others. In Christ's name, amen.